Thanks for joining us today for the City Light Podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online at citylightchurch.com. Today, we are in the middle of our series called Legacy. In this series, we will be discussing the vision and direction for our church and how we can be people who are not just thinking about today, but what we will leave behind for future generations. Let's jump into today's message. We are in week two of a four-part message series that we are calling Legacy. And in this series, we're talking a lot of vision that we feel like God has placed inside of us as a church, where we're going in the future, and how we can live a life of a legacy, and, and how we can continue to, to do things and, and, and help people in the next generations know Christ and know that God loves them, and how we're building something that's going to outlast us. Um, if you get anything out of this series, though, I want you to understand and, and get this one line, and that it's the line that I want you to know that your life absolutely matters. Your life matters. I, I I want you to get this. If you get one thing out of today's message, get that my life matters, that your life absolutely matters. Don't ever think that, that your life isn't a big deal. Don't ever think that you can't do something great for God. Don't ever think that your past or your history has disqualified you from God using you to do great things. Listen, your life absolutely matters, and you can do great things, and you can leave an amazing legacy for those that are coming after you. Our theme verse for this whole series is found in, in Psalms 112, and it says this. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. So, so it's not just I'm going to be generous, but I'm going to live a certain way as well. In verse 6 it says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. It doesn't say that there won't be shaking happening around you. But at the same time, it says that you can, you can be unshaken in the midst of all the stuff that's going on around you. Yet you can have a rock to cling to in the midst of whatever kind of situation you're going through in life. And that rock, his name is Jesus, and you can cling to him no matter through what situation you're up against. But I love this last line. It says that they will be remembered forever. That, that, that these types of people are generous and live their life in a certain way. They're going to be remembered forever, and that's our hope for our church, and that's our hope for all of us in this place, is that we wouldn't be just a flash in a pan, that we wouldn't just be here for a little short time and then gone, but that, that we would do something here in this community together that's making a difference, that, that, that people will talk about what God did in 2019 in 50 years from now, that what wow, God did in City Light Church back then, wow, it was, it was foundational for what God did in the next 50 years, if God tarries, you know, if Jesus tarries. But I want you to get this. My definition for legacy is simply this. A legacy is where my life lives on. It's, it's where my life lives on. It's, it's when I'm dead and gone, when I'm not on this earth anymore, that what will people say about me? What will people say about you? What will people talk about our church in such a way? What, what will be our legacy? How can we live our life in such a way that our life lives on. It's interesting because in that verse I just read to you, it kind of gives us a couple ideas on how we can live a legacy life. If you're taking notes today, I'm just going to give you a quick couple things at the beginning of the message here. We're just getting right into it this morning. But number one, in Psalms 112, it kind of talks about this, but it says, but I wrote it down this way. Number one, how do I live a legacy life? Give to something that will outlive me. Give to something that will outlive me. So find something that you believe in. Find something that, 
that, that it's going to outlive you and give into it. When my wife and I were starting the church about five years ago, almost five years ago, actually it, it was starting before that because we had a lot of planning and preparation to do. So almost about six years ago, we were in the planning process. We had this dream in our heart to start a life-giving church, and we were so naive. We were like, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be easy. And God's just going to do all these miracles. And he did do these miracles. We didn't, I didn't realize that a lot of the miracles were going to be hard, and you're going to have to have some faith, and there's going to be some tough soil to till, and that, that there's a work behind a lot of this stuff. And I remember the first time that we got a, a, an invoice for all the stuff that you see that we had to purchase to open the church, like like everything you see from the speakers to the kids' ministry stuff, everything that we have here, like we went through this company that helps provide that. And I got my first invoice, and let me just say, your brother had a heart attack. Let me just say, I saw that number, and I'm like, oh, geez. I was like Fred Sanford, Elizabeth, I'm coming home. Like, Elizabeth, like, younger generation don't know about Fred Sanford, but it's all right. I'm sure it's on demand somewhere. But man, like, I was just like, oh, my good. Like, I had a heart attack. I was like, are you serious? Like, there's no way we can afford this. There's no way we can pay for this. Are you kidding me right now? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, like I had an anxiety attack. Like, I never had an anxiety attack before in my life. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm freaking out. I'm, like, ready to throw in the towel. Like, we can't do it. There's no way. And I love my wife because she is the voice of reason in my life. And she's like, honey, if God has called us to do this, he will provide everything we need to open the church. Come on, all the ladies are clapping up in here. Like, ladies, like, amen, Nicole, come on. And so, and so it was amazing because we started telling people about the church. We started putting it on social media. We started to, to send letters out to folks. And it was a miracle because all of a sudden people that we knew and some people that we didn't know started to give financially into the dream, into the vision that was City Light Church. And it was like every morning I would go to my mailbox and I would just expect a miracle, a financial miracle that was going to be there. And every morning I would see just a letter, a check, something that, that would just help us get to the goal that we had. Even at the end, when we needed just a few more dollars, it, we, this guy called me and he's like, hey, um, I want to donate to the church, but, but do you guys take stock? And I said, sure, we take stock. I don't know if we took stock. I was just like... Yeah, we take stock, absolutely. He's like, all right, I want to donate $15,000 worth of stock uh, for the church launch because I believe in what you guys are doing. I don't know if I'll ever come, but I believe in what you're doing. I love what this says. He's like, I got a church, I'm good, but I love this vision, and I want to pour into it. And so, we, man, we, it got us over the hump, and I looked at it. I was like, oh, my goodness, it was amazing. And as I sit back here almost five years later, almost six years later, I'm like, Wow, you know, there's so many people that gave into something that was going to outlive them. Like, they, they gave into something that, that they didn't even maybe walk through the doors of the church yet. Maybe they'll never walk through these doors. But they gave into something that they believed and They said, I want, I, I want something to outlive me. And now we are sitting in their sacrifice. We're sitting in the sacrifice that they gave. And now as the church has been open for, four, for five years, almost six years in January... It's like, it's amazing that now that people are here and, and you are giving and you are pouring financially into the church. It's like in generations after us, there's going to be people sitting in your sacrifice. There's going to be people that you don't even know, people in our community, people that are, are, are far from God right now. People that are maybe broken and, and feeling hopeless in life, marriage falling apart, kids going crazy. 
But one day they're going to walk into this place and experience the real God. They're going to experience Jesus Christ, not just a, a perception of who they think he is. They're going to encounter the love of God. It's going to change their life forever. So I just want to encourage you, if you want to leave a legacy life, find something that you believe in and give into that. But then number two, what we see in Psalms 112, is not just give to them, not just be generous, but to live our life a certain way. Number two, you can write it down this way, live so my life outlives me. I'm going to live my life in such a way that my life is going to outlive me, that, that it's going to be beyond my, my, the, the days that I have here on earth, but I'm going to live in such a way that it's going to outlive me. When I talk to my friends, my other pastor friends about our church, I love to brag, and sorry, that's just me a little bit, but I love it because I tell them that, that we have about a 50% 50% of the attenders that come to City Light also serve on our dream team. And that's a miracle because the national average is about 20% of people that go to church actually serve and help out. And I say, yeah, our church is different. Like, like, like we, 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 maybe it's because we're portable. Maybe it's because we got a whole bunch of people that believe in what God's doing here. But it's like it takes many hands to help do all these things. And there were people here early this morning at 7 a.m. putting up pipe and drape putting up the signs out by the road. There are people getting the kids' ministry ready. There's the team up here rehearsing. It takes a lot of things that go into this place, making cu fresh cups of coffee. And it's amazing because we have an amazing team of people that said, hey, you know, I want to live my life in such a way that I'm making a difference in somebody else's life. Come on, we can clap. Give it up for the dream team. It's all right. <clears throat> like they're making a difference. And, but how we live our life absolutely Matters. I call it the, uh, the Oreo illustration. How many of y'all love Oreo cookies? Come on, somebody. You just love Oreo cookies? Okay, like if I pull up this right now, some of y'all are going just, to just get excited in the Holy Ghost up in here. Come on, like, like come on, like, is Oreo, like this is the double stuff anointing. Come on, like, like you don't know about this. Like, so just imagine with me for a minute, though, like one day you had a craving for some Oreo cookies. And you went up to Kroger and said, I want to get some Oreo cookies. And there was this sitting on the shelf. And then there was this sitting on the shelf. Like, which one would you take? You'd take this one. Because I don't know what's in your brown paper bag, Pastor. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know whose hand has been in there. I don't know. Like, I'm going to take the one that looks sealed, that looks sanitary. Like, I'm going to take this one. And it's interesting because it's like, even though it's like, hey, you know, there's, hey, there's Oreos in here. There's Oreos. Trust me. There's lots of great Oreos in here. You may look at me like, ah, I don't know, Pastor. Like, this is my first time here. I don't know if I trust you quite yet. You know, it's like, oh, I don't know. But, but it, you know, the thing I love about this one is that, you know, it's packaged so beautifully. And if, you, if I were to open it up, you would see three neat Rows of Oreo cookies. You know what that represents, by the way? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Like, oh my goodness. Like, like how many of y'all have just blacked out and ate like two or three rows? And like all of a sudden you woke up like in a crumbs of cookies everywhere. Your spouse comes down like, where are the Oreos? You blame the kids. I don't know. The kids, they just eat everything up in this house. I don't know. That's, that's what I do at least. And but it's interesting because I, I could say, hey, guys, look at Oreos. You want these, right? You want these. And, and most of the time we're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to take this one because this one looks way better because of the packaging. The packaging is what sells us on the product. Like 
Like the packaging is not the product. The packaging, what makes us feel all safe and secure, and we know what's inside of here. I don't know what's inside of here. I don't like this packaging. This could be anything. This could be Fig Newtons, and I ain't doing that. You know, it's like, I want some Oreos. And, and what I was thinking about this is that how we live our life absolutely matters. That how we present Christ absolutely matters. That's why we as a church we're constantly thinking and going above and beyond to make sure that we are presenting Jesus in a life-giving way when folks come onto our campus here. That's why we have the parking lot team led by Jason Clippert out there with umbrellas when it's raining and shaking your hand and high-fiving you. And like That's why we have people like that. That's why when you come in here, we have people smiling, high-fiving you. We've got you know warm, fresh cup of coffee waiting for you. We've got amazing kids workers who are smiling, can't wait to be with your kids, you know, it's like we have an amazing group of people here because we want to present Christ in such a way that, that, that no matter who you are or where you're coming from, you walk into this place and you're going to want what's inside because the packaging is a certain way. We're presenting Christ in a certain way. That's why we'll continue to always present, present Christ in a great way. We'll always try to achieve excellence in everything that we do. But here's the, here's the thing I want to get at today, and that is that you know, if, if people don't know Jesus, like sometimes like your coworkers and your neighbors, they don't know Jesus. They don't, they don't know Jesus. But they know you. They know you. And, and will they want him based on you? Because they don't know Jesus. They don't, they don't know Jesus. They're, they're looking at the packaging. They're looking at how we live our life. They're looking at the, how we respond to difficult situations. They're looking at things, and if, if, if we're looking like this, they're gonna, we're like, there's Oreos. Man, Jesus is so great. He's amazing. And they're going to look and say, I don't know if I want that. Mm, that doesn't look like it's really helping you too much. But we can present Christ in such a way. People are looking at us and say, man, what, there's something different about you. There, there's something. That, that, how can you have peace in the middle of this storm? How can you, you know, ha have faith in the middle of this bad situation? How can you be optimistic in this? How can you go through these hard times and yet still keep such an amazing positive attitude? It's because of what God is doing inside of me. How we live our life absolutely, absolutely matters. One of the things that my job as a pastor, though, it, it, my, pa my job as a pastor is twofold, just so you know. Uh, my job as a pastor, number one, is to to guide you and to equip you for this life on earth, is to, to encourage you, to coach you, to, to kind of push you at certain times to, out of that comfort zone. It's kind of like a coach uh, in, in real life. If you've ever played on a sports team, sometimes you don't like your coach. That's all right. I learned a long time ago that if I needed a lot of friends, don't become a pastor, okay? Like, like, like it's amazing because sometimes people, you know, like, they don't like their coach. They don't like what their coach has to say and and they don't like that their coach is saying, hey, sit a little bit closer this morning. We need each other. They don't, they don't like that. I get it. I get it. But listen, the coach is always seeing what's potential inside of you and trying to call out your very, very best. He's seeing things. He's going to have you do things that maybe you don't understand, drills, different kind of exercises, things that you're like, why are we doing this? But it's all preparing you for the game. It's getting you ready for the game. And as my job as a pastor is to guide you for this life on this earth. 
that you're going to come up against so many difficult things. There's going to be ups and downs, highs and lows, and I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to push you at times. I'm going to help you to trust God in areas of your life that maybe seem difficult. I'm going to see, uh, encourage you to you know, give everything to God and let him do a miracle in your life. But, but that's part of my job. The other part of my job is actually completely different in the sense that my job is not only to prepare you for the life here on this earth, but is to prepare you for the life in the, 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 next, the next life, in eternity. See, the Bible is very clear that this life that we're living right now is actually not all that there is. Actually, the next life in eternity is where we're going to spend the majority of our life. It's in the next life. And my job is, I wouldn't be a good pastor if I only equipped you for life here on this earth. And I never equipped you for life after life. I never equipped you for eternity. And so my job is to equip you and to, to help you get to that place where when you stand before the Lord, you're ready. You're ready for all that God has for you. I love this verse, but it's not a verse that you will have in your kitchen on a plaque somewhere. But it's still in the Bible. It's a good verse. Romans chapter 14 says this. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Like, you don't have that verse somewhere in your house right now probably. Like, hey, hi, welcome to my house. By the way, you're going to stand before God's judgment seat. Here's my pot roast. You know, like, you're not going to have that verse, you know, on the refrigerator of your, of your house. But still, this is something that the Apostle Paul is, is encouraging us to be ready for. He says, verse 11, it is written... As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Bible says that one day that all of us will stand an account for our life before the Lord. We're all going to stand, everybody. Doesn't matter who you are, the Bible says every everybody, no matter what you speak, every tongue, everybody, if you acknowledge God or not, everybody will stand before the Lord one day. But at the same time, when we stand before the Lord, there's gonna be two two tests that we're gonna have to take. There's a the two question test. Uh, it's a, people call it judgment. There's a judgment that we have to go through. But I I, I want to prepare you for the test. How many of y'all in high school, you loved taking tests? You were just the best test people in the world. Man, I love it. These are my people here today. How many of y'all did not like tests? You hated tests, and you're like, Jesus, help me with the test. Like, there are two types of test takers I found in the world today. There are the studiers, and then there are the prayers. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm a prayer. I'm like, Jesus, in your name, help me bring everything to remembrance, because I don't remember anything. Like, God, help me right now. Even the days I was sleeping in class, help me, Jesus. Like, that was me. I don't know about you, but, but I want to help you for the test that we're all going to be facing one day. But I loved it, though, when my teacher would say, okay, you know, here are the exact questions that will be on the test. Here are the exact answers that you need to give. So get ready because I'm not trying to trick you. Like, that, like, I love those tests. I was like, sweet, not multiple choice. I can get this one right, you know. I'm like, this is going to be great. And, and it prepared me to take the test. And I want to, as a pastor, I want to prepare you, prepare our church for eternity and to prepare our, our hearts and what's going to be ahead of us in that eternity. So I call it, like I said, the two-question test. And the first question that every single person is going to be asked when we get to to eternity, when we get to heaven, 
the first question that God is going to ask us is, is a really big one. I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know what it's going to look like. Uh, I don't know if it's like, uh, Jason, come to the front of the line now. You know, like, I don't know, like, I don't know how it's going to look. But the first question is that God's going to ask us is, what did you do with my son, Jesus? That's the first question that he's going to ask everybody. What did you do with my son, Jesus? So in other words, I sent Jesus, sent my son to earth on a rescue mission to pay for your sins because all sin has to be paid for. So, so, so what did you do with my son, Jesus? Let me just say this for, for, for a pause for a moment. You know, God does not send people to hell, that, people that he's mad at, by the way. God, the Bible is very clear that God did not create hell for people. He created it for the devil and his demons. The Bible is very clear on that. But I always say, man, hell is a place where people can go and pay for their own bill, but the bill has already been paid for. Like, have you ever been out to eat with somebody, and, and you have a great meal, and then the check comes, and then you kind of wrestle over the bill, like, like, no, 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 I got it, no, 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 it's my turn, no, no, I got it, I got it, and then some people are like, oh, I forgot my wallet today, you know, they're like, uh, don't be that guy, but it's like, you know, you kind of wrestle over it, and finally, you're like, all right, you pay for it, it's all good, you take care of it, and, and, and now, imagine if somebody, you were out to eat with somebody, and they, they paid your bill, they, they tipped, they gave a big, great tip, everything was wonderful, but then you were like, you know what? I don't like this. I, I'm going to pay as well. And, and your friend's like, what are you talking about you're going to pay? And you're like, yeah, I know you paid, but, but I'm going to pay twice. I'm, I'm going to pay a second time for the meal. Your friend would look at you like, what are you talking I paid. I tipped. I did everything you need to do. You don't need to pay again. That's ridiculous. And that's the problem that a lot of people will do. Your bill has already been paid for based on what Jesus did on the cross. And all you have to do is receive what he has done for you. But a lot of people won't receive that. They don't want to receive that. And they're willing to pay their bill twice. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's why God sent his son, Jesus, to this earth so we wouldn't have to do that. You don't have to face that kind of judgment. You don't have to go through that stuff because of what Jesus did, we can have a life eternally in heaven with him forever. And, but it's a place where a lot of people will, will go and pay their own bill. But then what happens is this whole idea that I'm talking about where he says, what, will you do with, what did you do with my son Jesus? The theological stance behind this is what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. And it's found in Revelation chapter 20 and it says this. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. So everybody was there. Not just Christians. This was, this was everybody. Everybody. All of humanity was there, standing before the throne. And the books were open. Now watch that. He says books. That's plural. Books. Multiple books were open. And it says this. And then another book was open. I love it. That's singular. Another book was open. Let me just explain what's going on right now. The, the books that are open in this moment right now, this has recorded everything that we've ever done. This is all of our sin. This is all of our regrets, all the things that, that we've, we've done some stuff. You're like, Man, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. The Bible even says that every idle word that we'll be held accountable for, man, it's like everything that's in the books are going to be written right there. But it says this later, it says then another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
Because the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books, plural. Listen, and that's what you don't want to happen. You don't want to get to heaven and be judged according to what's in the books. You want to be judged according to what's in the book. See, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I love it because Jesus gets out the biggest eraser that's ever possible and he goes to the books and he begins to erase everything that you've ever done, every sin that you've ever committed, everything that you regret. I don't know about you, but I probably have some libraries up in heaven of some books that I had to get erased in my life. And God, Jesus erases all of those things and then he writes your name in a new book, plural, called the Lamb's Book of Life. That's where you want your name to be. And see, what happens then is then you get to that, that white throne judgment, and they say, okay, Jason Rollin, where are you at? Let me look in the books. I don't see anything here. Oh, wait, that's because maybe you're in this other book. Yep, I see you're in the Lamb's Book of Life. Come on, heaven is waiting for you. Come on through. Like, this is your eternal reward. Come on. Like, that's what we want to happen for us. And so when we get to that place where we're at that that white throne judge, we're going to be asked this question, like, what did you do with my son Jesus? And let me give you the answer to it. The answer is simply something like this. I knew him personally. I knew him personally. I loved him. I gave him everything. He wasn't just a religion to me. He wasn't just a Sunday morning thing. Like, I gave him everything. He was my everything. Like, I, I was madly in love. He was my best friend. Like, I, I gave him everything. And the Bible says that, man, the answer to that question will determine uh, where we spend eternity. That we get to spend eternity in heaven with God and with Jesus and not facing the, that other judgment based on what's in the books. But then there's a second test or a second judgment. And this one's for only people who go to heaven. This is for only people who are Jesus followers and knew him personally, would love God, and they're going to heaven. And the second one's a lot different. See, the first one is, is all about grace. It's all about grace. You can't earn that one. Like, you can't be good enough. You can't be, go to church enough. You can't be holy enough. You can't do anything. It is only based by what Jesus did on the cross, and you receive that as a free gift of eternal life. Like, you can't do anything to earn that one. But the second one is really talking about a lot of our works, how we live our life based on earth. And, and, and the, the, basically, the second question is going to look a little bit like this. So number two, if you're taking notes, it's, what did you do with what I gave you? God's going to say something like this. What did you do with what I gave you? Second Corinthians begins to talk about this in chapter 5. It says, for we must all, Christians, he's talking to Christians here, appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us will receive what is due to us. I love this because this is actually talking about rewards. That, did you know that, that your God is a rewarding God? He wants to reward you. He wants to bless you. He wants to say, hey, I understand the sacrifice you made on earth. I understand how you lived on earth. And now as you're in eternity, I want to bless you. I want to I reward you for everything that you did. And it says this, for the things you did or done while in the body, whether good or bad. Like we serve a God who is a rewarding God. He wants to, to bless your life. Jesus even talked about this in Matthew 16. He said, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with the angels. And then he will reward each person according 
to what they have done. We serve a God who, man, he's just ready to reward you. He's like, man, I love my kids. I love that they've been on this earth. And I know there were some ups and downs. I know that they, there were some struggles that they went through. I know that it wasn't all peaches and cream. But, but man, I want to reward them because how they live matters. And, and when they get to me and they get to eternity, I want to bless them abundantly. I want them to experience the rewards I have that are not just for earth but are for heaven as well. We're actually we're going to spend so much more of our life there. And so the answer to that second question, that, that, that if you're going to heaven, that, they're going to ask you, what would you do with what I gave you? You can answer something like this. And I put it down, man, I gave my life away. I gave my life away. I, I realized that my life wasn't just about me. I didn't, I didn't turn selfish. I didn't just try to hoard everything for me to, so I could be comfortable, so I could take care of my needs. But I lived my life in such a way that, man, I, I gave it away. I gave my life away. I served others. I was a blessing to people. Man, I looked at my life. I looked at everything that God gave me, and I said, how can I leverage all of these things to help people know that there's a God in heaven who loves them? Let me say this. Listen, before you encountered Christ, before you encountered Christ, your whole life was all about finding Jesus. Is that what your whole life is about? But after you find Jesus, your whole life is then about how you can make a difference. Like once you find Jesus, man, that's great, but then now your life is switching. How I can help other people know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. How can I help my neighbor, my, my friend, my family member, my coworker? How can, I, how can I live my life in such a way where they see what God is doing inside of me and say, man, I want what's in there. I want what's in their life. Man, I gave my life away. So if you wanna be a person that's a legacy person, building your life up in such a way where you're giving it away and, and, and preparing for that next generation where other people will come someday that we don't even know, we've never even met. And they'll sit in our, our chairs and they'll, 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 they'll be sitting in our sacrifice. But what does that look like? What does that take to be a legacy person in a legacy church? Well, number one, three quick, quick things and I'll be done, is I will intentionally give what I have away. Like, I'm going to live my life intentionally. It's not going to be random, but I'm going to intentionally give what I have away. Now, listen, I'm not asking you to give what you don't have away. I'm asking you to say, hey, God, what have you blessed me with? What do I have? God, what, what have you given me? And how can I leverage what you've done in my life, how you've blessed me, so I can help other people know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. How can I do this? See, we as a church, we've, we've never been a high-pressure giving church. Like, I've never, I'm not, I don't like that as pastors doing that. Like, that's not me. I'm never going to, like, give you, like, a huge need and, oh, my goodness, you know, all these things we got to pay for. And I'm not going to show you any videos of, like, kids drinking muddy water and trying to pull on your heart swings and play Sarah McLaughlin music in the background. Like, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe in that. Uh, but at the same time, it's important to say, okay, God, what, what do you have? What have you given me? And what can I, what can I give? Well, God, what have you blessed me with that I can help? I love it that we have so many people in our church. I tell all of my pastor friends, I, uh, your church may be generous, but my church is the most generous. Like, we have so many generous people that attend this church, and it's amazing that you care about not only what God's doing here at Rochester High School and in Rochester Hills, but you care about 
man, how we can make a difference in our community. You care about how we can continue to dig fresh water wells for, for people in South America and build churches and help in the human trafficking industry and rescue kids from that uh, horrific industry that a lot of them are enslaved to. Like we're, we're making a difference, not only here, church, but all over the world. And so many of you believe in that and you give week after week to that. I appreciate it. I'm thankful for that. Man, we just know that God has more than he wants to do, not only here in our church, but in this community beyond. For those of you who have been coming for a while, we talked about last week, we have a legacy that we call it a legacy offering that we're doing at the end of the month, November 24th. And this is an offering that is strictly geared to accelerate the vision that God has given us so we can continue to reach more people. We can get ready to get into a future building one day. We can get to the place where we're reaching the teenagers of our community. Like there's so many more things that we want to do. And this isn't a thing to help us cover budget. Our budget's good. We're, we've always operated with the very conservative financial practices. This is to say, hey, how can we stretch ourselves a little bit so that we can continue to accelerate what God is doing to reach more and more people? Because we understand that our, our time here on earth is short. So how can we leverage what we've got to make a difference for God's kingdom, make a difference eternally? So that the offering will be coming up. I'm telling people, this is above and beyond our normal giving, beyond, above and beyond our normal tithes and offering. My wife and I are praying about what we're going to do, but this is above and beyond our normal giving that we do every week because we believe in what God's doing here. We want to make a difference. So listen, find something and give, give what you have away. Find something that you believe in. So I'm going to give my life away so that I can build a legacy for that next generation. But number two, if you want to live a legacy life, you got to say, I will live or I will intentionally serve others. I'm going to intentionally serve others. I got to get to a place where I, I realize my life is not about just me, that, that, that God has given me the ab abilities and talents. And I, it's not just for me that I can, I can leverage who I am and leverage my abilities so that I can help people in our community. I can help people in the church. I can help people all over our community. That's why, like I said, I love our dream team. Our, these are a bunch of people who are just saying, hey, I, I've got some time. I, I've got some abilities. I've got some stuff I can do. How can I help serve the people that come to City Light? How can I help leverage what i got? How can I serve people so that people can know God in a greater way. So let me just say, you may come into church and look like, hey, they got everything set up good. They don't need me here. Listen, if you can make a fresh cup of coffee, we need you. We have a place for you. If you can hold a baby, we got a place for you. If you can pick things up and put them down, we got a place for you. Like, like we, we, there's so many things that, that there's a place for you where you can say, man, my life is not about me. It's about how I can serve other people how I can do some things to make an impact so others may come and sit in my seat and know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. But then number three, the last thing, if we want to be legacy people, we have to say, I will intentionally share Christ. I will intentionally share Christ, share Christ, share Jesus, share Jesus, share Jesus with people. You may, I hope, ne I hope nobody ever thinks that you know, sharing Jesus, well, that's the pastor's job. You know, I've had people say that to me before. Pastor, that's your job. You know, I work at GM. I work at Ford. I work at Chrysler. You know, like, your job is to share Jesus. I got to go make some widgets or something. I don't know. Like, and, and that's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible says that actually my job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. And that I shouldn't even be doing ministry. That I should be equipping the people to go out into their communities, into their workplaces, and their neighborhoods, and their families. Equip them to share Jesus with their, their, their friends and their family and the people all around them in their environment. That's my job as a pastor, to equip you in that way. So we have to come to a place where I'm going to share I'm going to intentionally share Jesus with other people. And I know that can be intimidating for folks. You're like, Pastor, you know all the answers. I, I don't know any of the answers. Like, I, just, I, don't, I don't know. I can't do it. Just share your story. Just share what God means to you. Just share what he's done for you. All you have to do is share about your side of the whole story. You don't have to answer some of their tough questions. You say, hey, I'll, I'll bring you to my pastor. He'll help me with this one. But just all you have to do is say, hey, I'm going to share Christ. And let me just tell you, if you ever come to church and you have your friend who maybe doesn't know the Lord and comes and, and is in one of these seats and sitting next to you, man, that's going to be the service that you care about the most, by the way. You're going to make sure, you, man, did they say everything right? You know, the light's good. Is everything, are they smiling? You're going to be caring about that service. But let me just say, at the end of every service, I always do the same thing. I, I invite people into a relationship with God. And when I have everybody stand, head bowed and eye closed, listen, I'll make you a deal. If you bring somebody who is far from the Lord, maybe doesn't know God, and I say everybody head bowed and eye closed, in that moment, if you got somebody next to you, a friend that you brought, I'll let you peek, okay? That's the deal right there. Like, I'll let you peek. Everybody else got their eyes closed, but you can peek because I want you to see what your friend is going to do. Because if your friend shoots their hand up and says, I want to give my life to Christ today, that's going to be your favorite Sunday church service you've ever been to in your entire life. Because that feeling is unbelievable. That God used you in spite of you. We all got stuff. In spite of you to make a difference in the life of somebody. God used you to help change the trajectory of their eternity. He used you. Man, that is a game changer in anybody. Say, oh my goodness, I can't believe that this had this person. I can't believe I invited that person. Oh my goodness. Man, that is a game changer changer. We want to be a church that says, hey, we want to help change the trajectory of people that they may know that God in heaven loves them. Let me give you one last verse and then before we go, but listen, I love this verse because the Apostle Paul writes a letter to a young pastor. I can identify with that. I'm still young. Come on. And uh, he, he's writing a letter to a young pastor. And he's encouraging him uh, how to lead his congregation of people. He's encouraging them what some things to, to do and to say. And he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, listen, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I love that right there because, you know, this isn't a message or an understanding that, that God doesn't want you to have stuff. God wants you to have stuff. He just doesn't want your stuff to have you. He, he wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to have life to the fullest. He wants you to have so many great experiences on life. He's not against you having fun on earth. He just doesn't want those things to control you. And he says, okay, in that verse 18, he says, command them to, to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So not this age, man, that coming age, that eternal life that we're talking about, that reward that Jesus was talking about. So they may, they may take hold of the life 
that is truly life. Man, if you want to you take a hold of life, that is truly life. Be a legacy person that says, I'm not here just for me. I'm here to make a difference and to build a legacy for people after me to know that there's a God in heaven who loves them. I'm going to build something great here. I'm going to give to something great. I'm going to serve people. I'm going I'm to be generous. I'm going to do things. I'm going to share Christ because I'm building a legacy that's going to outlive me. And then when I do that, I'm going to take a hold of the life that is truly life. My last little point is just simply this. Get this. There is more to this life than this life. There is so much more to the life you're living. There's so much more to life than this life. And God wants you to experience that kind of living. Jesus said, I come that you may have life and life to the fullest. That's what Jesus' followers are all about, man, living life to the fullest. So let's be a church, everybody. That is a legacy church. We are, we are not just concerned about today, but we're thinking about tomorrow. We're not just concerned about ourselves. We're thinking about the people we haven't even met yet. We're going to build a church for people that can come, no matter what their background is, no matter what they look like. They can walk into this place and experience a life-giving environment with a whole bunch of people that love on them. and So they can, we can have a place for them that they can encounter the love of God and see transformation in their life. That's what a legacy church is all about. Let's stand today as we close this message, if you don't mind.